As a rule, I consider myself to be a relatively private person, despite the fact that I had a job for 24 years that was less than private. It was very much in the public. And a lot of people said that I, I bared my soul on a regular basis. Not true. I probably revealed what I was comfortable revealing on the 24 years I was in radio. Um, just like I am comfortable revealing what I like to reveal when I do stand-up comedy. But when you get down to the nitty-gritty of it, yeah, I think I'm a private person. I think we're all private people. I think we all have things that we don't really want to share or discuss that we keep within ourselves until the right moment manifests itself and you actually feel comfortable. On this podcast, I've been told over the uh, multiple episodes that we've had that um, I have gotten people to talk about things that surprisingly they didn't think they would ever talk about. Chalk that up to whatever you want. Being comfortable here, the booze, whatever the case might be, I don't know. But tonight, we continue what uh, started off as a very intimate conversation and did not finish. Hi, I'm Dino Tripotis, your host for Whiskey Business. The podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And tonight's uh, podcast is the Whiskey Deposition Part two. If you haven't listened to part one, I strongly suggest you go on back because that is where our guest interviewer once again tonight, Bill Mattis, attorney for, I forget. Dinsmore and Scholl. Dinsmore and Scholl, a partner. A partner. A partner at Dinsmore and Scholl. Uh, I thought that when he sat down to do Whiskey Deposition that we would wrap it up in one fell swoop. But no, we only <laughs> we only got into one part and apparently... Uh, the counselor has divided this into three parts this evening. So tonight's second part will be shared with our guest bottle, Basil Hayden's Dark Rye, which I'm very excited about. This is a combination of Kentucky rye whiskey, Canadian rye whiskey, and port. What? Yeah, uh, 80 proof. And um, as you can see, we've already sampled a little bit. Kind of tasty, kind of sweet, and I can see where a bottle of that can go down real smooth and fast. We'll get into more about the whiskey a little bit later. But uh, welcome to Whiskey Deposition Part 2. Counselor, once again, I swear to tell the whole proof and nothing but the proof, so help me God. Where'd we leave off? We left off you were working in a steel mill. Town out of Steubenville, Ohio. Yep. You've gone through a couple of raises. You were making good change. And something happened to make you decide to leave the <laughs> glorious steel mill life. That would be the blast furnace. I remember, yes. The blast furnace was like, okay, this is not the way I want to get up and, and live my day. And which way to Columbus, Ohio? Because <laughs> I'm going to college. Now let's talk about college. When did you start college? Uh, September of 1977. Fuck, I'm old. Was that directly out of high school? That was directly out of high school. There was no gap year. We didn't have gap years back in the 70s where the, where the kids, you know, if you took a year off, it's because you were either lazy or stupid. Or, <laughs> or you got a wedding in or, a union coat. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was something or something like that. Yeah, there was no gap year. No, I went uh, uh, 77. This is back when... Uh, Ohio State, which is a very difficult place to get into now. Yes, it is. 
the state had to take you back then. If you graduated from if high school? If you graduated from high school, they had to at least take They didn't have to keep you, but they had to take you <laughs> as, as a state university. So how were the academics back in 1977? I... Uh, For me personally, <laughs> I was not a good student. Okay. I was not a good student. Now, I, you came I, from a small high school? Relatively Big speaking? Red. Okay. And what were your impressions coming to Columbus and The Ohio State University? I was pretty excited. I mean, yeah. Columbus, I mean, compare, I mean I'd, I'd been in other cities prior to, you know, it wasn't like Columbus was my first big adventure outside of Steubenville. I'd been to New York, you know, over the course of the high school years in Chicago and, and and other cities like that. But to think that I was actually going to move to Columbus, Ohio and, and start a, a new adventure, that was pretty exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So did I, you immediately fall into the uh, general studies or did you go right into English? I uh, my first major was social work, believe it or not. Uh, and then it's it, it my sophomore year I, I switched it to uh, criminology, and being rather ambitious, I thought my minor would be uh, English literature. That's when I thought I'd actually you know finish school. But my my first year was social work, and I got into social work big time. That was part of the reason why I think uh, Ohio State was in quarters back then. Uh, with, I think that was one of the big reasons why one particular quarter. Uh, my grade point was was so miserable because um, part of the uh, social work program was was doing a volunteer field work, and I, I volunteered at a place called Huckleberry House, which I think is still in existence today here in Columbus, Ohio, which was a, a halfway house, a, a go-between for um, uh, runaways, uh, kids who had just left home or lost a place where they could spend a couple of nights uh, had drinking problems drug problems there was also a, a suicide hotline there at Huckleberry House as well uh, and I got very involved uh, quickly in that atmosphere and uh, the problems of others you know not to sound all high and mighty but it, it touched me it touched me quickly and and you know I I liked being there and felt like I was making a difference on a day-to-day -day basis. It was better than cracking a book. Anything was better than cracking a book. <laughs> I was not a, not a, not a, you know what? I did well in the courses that I enjoyed. I'm not good in math. I'm not good in the sciences. Why I scheduled a physics, even though it was physics 101, why I scheduled it at eight o'clock in the morning, you know, uh, it, I never made it to that class. And if I did make it to that class, by the time he started to drone on and on and on about something, boom, it was just like, you know, I was out cold, asleep, and waking up with drool on my sleeve and like, oh, man, can, I hope somebody took notes, you know, because I didn't. Yeah, I, I, was, I wasn't a good student. But if you had classes like uh, my, my criminology classes and my, and my English uh, composition classes and literature classes, those classes I enjoyed. Psychology classes I enjoyed. Sociology classes I enjoyed. I found those fascinating. Math and science, ugh, no. And how long were you at the Huckleberry House? Um, I think that was my, I think I got involved with them in my, my second quarter of my freshman year. 
was that right? Second or second or third quarter. Um, yeah, and like I said, I got in. I got in deep. I mean, I was. I I loved being there and and spent a lot of time. I spent time there when when I didn't have to spend time there. And that was all part of the social work program that you were in. Um, yeah, that was part of the that was part of the field. Some of the field work that you could do. Um, there were other uh, there were other options as well. Uh, I'm not sure what those were. I, I mean, you're talking 1977. Very vague, you know. Very vague <laughs> recollection. <laughs> recollection as to. But you were getting college credit for it. Yes, I was getting credit for it. But you know, by spending all that time there and ignoring my other studies. What made you think social work would be something that would strike a chord with you or get you through college and get a real job? I don't know. I don't know. Ability to listen or ability to talk? Hmm? Your ability to listen or your ability to talk? Listen, for sure. And I think talk. I mean, isn't this the case with with almost everybody um, on some level? that you can easily solve the problems or help other people with their problems, but you can't do shit with your own because, you know, you, you have objectivity when you're listening to other people and you can identify and you can empathize uh, more with them. I was very good at that. I, I think still to this day, I think I still have a, a large degree of empathy that I think helps me in in life and in general i can i i feel for people i can sense it i can i i know when something's wrong with somebody i can i can just i can just feel it and then and if i have the time i'll i'll dig into it and say you know what's going on but you know, help myself nah <laughs> nah no <laughs> no chance now there's a, a concept that i use and i'm sure i've seen you use and that's a, a verbal IQ. Have you ever had your verbal IQ tested versus your written IQ? I haven't had either one of them tested. To Since grade school. <laughs> <laughs> Since ever. <laughs> Since so they no. required it. And I bring that up because your verbal IQ is very high. It is? And someone with empathy um, is both a good listener and a good talker. And you've never, never gone in for a test of your verbal IQ. Mm-mm. Do you believe yourself to be a person of high verbal IQ? No. Why not? Because you're not good in math and science? Probably. <laughs> maybe. Maybe that's part of the reason. I don't know. I I don't think I'm all that good a talker. <laughs> <laughs> You've made a living at talking. You've made a, a living at listening. And part of that is obviously a reflection of how you were brought up and, um, and your because, life's experiences. Well, and also I've made... Uh, a life and a career out of watching. I watch people a lot. I watch how they how they move, how they, and I, I watch their body language. Um, yeah, I, I I'll go into uh, just well, let's take a familiar surrounding. I'll go into a bar. <laughs> no. Yeah, yeah, I know it happens from time to time. And, a place that serves food, right? Yeah, place that serves. Yeah, I'll go for the chicken wings, um, and I'll and I'll unconsciously, you know, scope out the room and 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 start analyzing the people that are around there. Who, you know, what their story might be, what their in my in my own mind, what their background might be, why they're there, 
who they are, what they're about, so forth. Who might be a troublemaker, you know, uh, as as the night progresses. Yeah. So I, I watch. I watch a lot of a lot of the time, as well as listen. Where do you think the watch part came from? I don't know. It's not a paranoia. No, no, no. This doesn't fall into the area of paranoia. I'm not, you know, uh, though. I won't sit with my back to the to the door of, of, of but that's that's other reasons I think I don't know I think because I, I, I watched a lot when I was a kid you know um, I, I you know you ask me you ask about childhood memories I watched how people interacted I watched how my parents interacted I, I watched how my my family would interact with, with each other um, even at a young age in school, I would, I would, uh, you know, watch my fellow students and my teachers, and and I don't know, I, I don't have a, a really solid explanation as to why I just did. Do you think it at all goes back to the intentional acts of reading a lot as a child and and watching a lot of movies as a child maybe to pick up on social cues to pick maybe, up on maybe maybe because when i would read and still to this day when i read you know i i i see the characters i see the the surroundings that are described in the book i picture them i mean they they become moving pictures in my head not just words in that respect you know i i, I see it and i hear the voices you know I, they while i'm reading something of in my head, uh, I'll determine what they sound like while I'm reading something. Uh, so yeah, maybe that's that's part of it, and the movies too. Yeah, yeah. I guess it, I guess it, I guess it's all connected, right? At some point in time, everything's connected. Yeah, it all comes back full circle. Now, do you believe yourself to be a left brain or a right brain type I person? I don't know which is which. <laughs> <laughs> I always get them mixed up. Left brain. Left Creativity? Brain. Yeah, definitely. Left brain. Okay. What's right brain? More science, math, facts. I like facts. You like facts. And I like to analyze. And I can be very analytical. Uh, as long as there's no math and science involved. <laughs> <laughs> so you had good experiences. You're in a social work program. You yeah. obviously have the empathy, the sympathy, the ability to listen, the ability to talk. What What takes you out of social work program my love for crime my love for crime my love for crime comma <laughs> period <laughs> not not the life of crime <laughs> not that i want to be the criminal mind the criminal I've always mind. been fascinated with the criminal mind okay so what was going on in the 1970s as far as criminals who were the famous criminals in in the 1970s that you can recall no uh, i i the 70s wow i off the top of my head munich the bombs those those olympics. are olympics those are you know more terror terror terroristic type of things you recall the bank robbers in the 70s you know the first thing when you when you first said that the first thing that popped into my head was i used to subscribe to time and, and newsweek magazines while in college yeah and, wow. and uh the sections i would go to first you know whatever was on the cover i didn't really care about 
the sections I would always go to first, they had a crime section in, 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 in Time Magazine and a, and a similar section in Newsweek. And in there were uh, stories of, of, of criminals, be they bank robbers, kidnappers, murderers, whatever the case might be, that I would, I would read that. And for a while, I was clipping them out and saving them. Don't ask me why. Um, why? <laughs> <laughs> Don't because I was I was fascinated with it. I, I I guess I was I had started a, a file. Subconsciously, you started a file of. I mean, I actually had a subconsciously criminals. and literally had a file of. Uh, I don't know if I wanted them for story ideas or I just found them fascinating. Research, whatever the case might be, I started. I, at one point, I did throw them all away, but well, not all of them, but. Um, uh, yeah, I, I was always fascinated with the criminal mind and how it worked. Okay. And was there any particular crime that you found more noteworthy or more into your yen, so to speak? I, I think I, I think it was probably the 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 bigger notable crimes of of the day. Uh, you know, the, the, the Manson murders. You know, crimes that 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 you know that made you know Ted Bundy. Uh, Charles Manson, um, uh, John Gacy, uh, you know, just these these bizarre, deep, sick, sick minds that that were able to um, use their charms and their abilities to to influence and eventually, you know, in the end, run sadly hurt people, but and kill people. But yeah, I was fascinated by what that mental makeup was all about from a psychopath and sociopathic uh, state of things. And was that covered deeply in the, the news that were you watching? Were you watching much TV in college? When I, the TV that I remember us watching in college was pretty much late night TV. We watched um, David Letterman, Johnny Carson. We watched Johnny Carson, and then we'd watch. This one goes way back. We'd watch uh, Johnny Carson, who was ninety minutes at that point. Back in the back in the day, he'd be on for ninety minutes, and then we'd watch Tom Snyder on the Tomorrow Show as he smoked. Yeah, wore his yeah. red socks. Yeah, <laughs> he would not talk about somebody who could who could interview. He was he was a great interviewer. He was a very good interviewer. Love Tom Snyder. And then you know we 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 do that every night. We get a uh, a Domino's pizza every night with the four shitty watered down cokes, and that came for free with it. And every night we watched Johnny Carson. And then some of us stayed up and watched the Tomorrow Show. And then some of us stayed up even longer. To- now, who who was the we eating the crappy pizza? And- Drinking the washed down Coke. The best roommates in the world. The same guys I, we mentioned in high school. Dave Kaplan, Greg DeTore, uh Bill Knoll, who, who eventually went away in that, in that first year. But then, so that first year was just, you know, the, the four-room dorm was just three of us. So we had that much more room. And then, um, like any successful sitcom, you know, when when one of the when one of the cast members goes away, there's always a, a new roommate that comes in. <laughs> <laughs> and who was the newbie? Uh, we had Spiro. Spiro was a new roommate, but he was after we got out of the dorms. Um, yeah. So now coming from Steubenville, a very ethnic area, and ending in Columbus, Ohio, how on God's green earth did you eat that cardboard that they call pizza back in the '70s? We thought it was. We thought it was. Uh, it was cheap. 
cheap. <laughs> Inexpensive. Inexpensive. <laughs> was key. I had the meal plan. I had the meal plan where I could go to the commons across the street and, and, and eat. And um, the food there was decent. But as far as the indulgent cheap food, Domino's Pizza was was cheap. And you got the four free Cokes. You could go across the street. At the time, I lived in Taylor Tower on North Campus. You could go across the street and get a Euro for a buck. I had a Euro every day. I had what was the name of the Euro night. place? Oh, man. I don't remember. I don't remember the name of the Euro place. Uh, it was right there on, on Lane Avenue next to what... It's what, what's what now is BW three. Uh, there was a there was a Thirsty Eye. Yes, was one of the bars, and then there was the Euro place that was right. You know, came out of Thirsty Eye, and you could go right into the Euro shop okay. and, and get a Euro. So it was small, but they they cranked out a lot of that shitty meat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they did. So, Does anybody really know what a Euro is? It's ground lamb. Is it and meal? Is it really? It's is supposed it? to be, and it's shaped in a. Cin- in cylindrical, cylindrical fashion. Yeah. You know of any animal that's 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 shaped. That's why a, it's ground in a cylindrical form. Meatballs don't come like that. <laughs> Just saying. Just saying. I don't care. It was so good. Did, did you have a favorite pizza back in Steubenville? Oh come on! You, that's you're, that's a, that's a leading question, counselor. <laughs> you know what the answer is? De Carlos, De Carlos Pizza in Steubenville, Ohio. And how There's could you, no better. How could you possibly eat Donato's and think it was good coming from Not the Not Donato's, Domino's. 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 Even worse. Domino's. <laughs> Not Donato's. Even worse. Domino's. Okay. Yeah. yeah it was, you just got used to it. Yeah. It's, it's, it's what was available. It was what would be delivered to your dorm room. Okay. So, now, when I went to college, they delivered alcohol to your dorm room when you were 18 you years went, old. Wait, where'd you go to school? Uh, in Southern Connecticut. In, in Southern Connecticut. State University. State University. And then you went to? Ohio Northern uh-huh. University. Uh-huh. They didn't deliver alcohol there. <laughs> well, we got alcohol. I mean, that was never a problem. We didn't have it delivered. But What was the drinking age when you went to college? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? Did you have that 3.2 beer and you could be 18 you and drink be, that? No, no. That was you had to be 18 for 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 eight for 3.2 beer, but you had to be 21 to drink alcohol. But what you see now here, as far as this beard, you know, a much right. younger face. But I had this not as much gray, but I had a full beard, and you know. So you were the designated buyer. You were the mule. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, don't, we we had fake IDs, but we never used them. We never had to. Nobody ever. Nobody. Nobody bothered you. Everybody just kind of turned a blind eye. I'm not saying it's right. It's how it was back in 1977. There were bigger problems. Yeah, there were bigger problems where you know they didn't have to worry about things. But yeah, some people had fake IDs because they needed them. We we didn't. We carried ourselves. We we looked like and acted like we were of age and and. Consequently, never, never any problems. Yeah. And when you weren't home watching NBC television from eleven to two in the morning, where where did you guys go at night? What were the popular haunts down on we, High Street? We, we stayed. We went to the Northburg. We went to the Thirsty Eye. We went to the Library, uh, which is a bar. For those of you in Columbus, you know that one of the few, I think, remaining, still there bars on on, on North Campus. Um, Every once in a while, we would migrate south to uh, 
was it Papa Joe's? Papa Joe's with a bucket of beer. Papa Joe's. Well, buckets of beer were were everywhere. I mean, everybody had buckets of beer. Buckets, buckets of beer. Think we about drank, that concept. We, we <laughs> drank out of out of gray pails, buckets of beer, and then some guys would later piss at them <laughs> because the beer was crap, and you know, and and there was too long of a line to go to the, to the bathroom, and if there was an empty bucket, guys peed in it, and they just take these buckets and rinse them out and serve them back up again. But yeah, we just just drank out of buckets. And we loved it. We loved it. Any other haunts that you went to to eat other than chain pizzerias? There was a, there was a Sandro's pizza, I think. I re- uh, that was deep dish. That was more towards on South Campus. Um, there was a couple of Chinese places that I don't, don't recall the names, but were there forever. And everybody always joked that you were taking your life into your hands by you know eating whatever came out of those places you know on campus but once again come on i'm i'm 18 going on 19 years old i'm in columbus ohio i'm chinese food pizza euros what's gonna hurt me (laughs) and ain't nothing gonna hurt you but yourself 151 and grain alcohol that's about the only thing hairy buffalo parties oh my god yeah yeah yeah. For the listeners, a hairy buffalo party is a grain alcohol and uh, usually in a trash can. Yeah, in a trash can mixed with I don't remember what Hawaiian Every, punch. Was it Hawaiian punch? Hawaiian punch. Yeah. Anything. <laughs> Orange juice. I, I just whatever you brought. Grain, the grain alcohol was the key. Was 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 the key to it all. Let's get back to your studies. Um, you're obviously interested in crime. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily reading crime and punishment. Does the yes? I can't even say his name. But Him, yeah, the Russian guy. The yeah. Russian guy. What made you change your major? I didn't really change it. I just kind of oh, from social work to criminology. Social work criminology. Oh, I just, uh, I just, I just was listening to the. <laughs> this sounds weird. Listen to the voices in my head. <laughs> no, I think I, I think that I just I just kind of followed where my interest seemed to be peaking. And maybe it was because maybe it was because of the social work. Maybe I unconsciously wanted to dig deeper into what got some of those kids there. You know what, you know what, what type of situations, what type of people uh, that they were dealing with. Because a lot of these kids were were drug addicts, and you know. So all right. So what was the drug of choice back in the seventies? Was it heroin, cocaine, marijuana? <sighs> uh, marijuana was was pretty popular. Uh, soapers. A soper is a soper is uh, a quaalude. Quaalude, okay. Quaaludes, sopers, those were huge, huge. Um, amphetamines were were big, you know. Black beauties. Uh, back. I'm not necessarily talking about the college because I'm talking about the people you came in contact with at the Huckleberry House. What were their problems largely driven by? Oh yeah. Was it a, a heroin based yeah, problem? Al- alcohol, alcohol and alcohol and and, and marijuana. Cocaine. Uh, I started to see the the beginnings of cocaine uh, in the late seventies. I started to see more people starting to use it and try it, and I never did. I never did. Uh, mushrooms, um, uh, acid, um, guilty acid, mushrooms, pot. Uh, 
I, I never did the the quaaludes because there was one guy I remember that would that would do them, and he'd always no matter what happened he'd always end up in a corner pissing himself. And I go, well, that's that doesn't seem. <laughs> that's like, not sexy. That, that's not sexy. That doesn't seem like a, a good way to finish off the night. Yeah, you know, and you right. know, to the. I mean, I think his nickname was. Something pee, or, you know, there because he, he he pee himself all the time. <laughs> and just like it'd just be this like he'd be and he, when he was conscious, he would he would pee not just when he passed out, he would pee when he was <laughs> awake and not know that he was peeing. And he you know, he'd be drinking and doing the the quaaludes, and there'd, there'd be this big old wet spot in the middle of his crotch, and like, oh man, dude, you peed yourself again? Fuck it, I don't care, whatever. Like, okay, no, no, no quaaludes for me. Um, marijuana, hash, tried acid, um, uh, never tried cocaine, and I drank. And you studied? Not well. Not what well. was your GPA at graduation? I didn't graduate. You didn't graduate? I did not. Ever? Uh-uh. Just from the school of hard knocks, counselor. <laughs> Not how many for, how many years were you at the Ohio State University? Uh, three and a half. How many credits short are you? All of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, at, at one point, uh, I, at one point, I came very close to a, a Blutarski grade point average. I think zero point zero point zero eight. I think what I think I think my worst grade point average was. Uh, was a 1.899, you know, not even a 1.9 one, one year. And that's obviously the, the quarter where I just, I just didn't, didn't go. And they were, they must, and it must have been classes that, that, had, that I had no interest in. I must have foolishly uh, had a quarter that was full of science and math and just. But you had matriculated into your senior year. Age-wise, not credit-wise. So, I think by by the time, even though I was in my junior year, I probably still only had sophomore status as far as actual credits go, and I had deficiency points, and uh, and I was uh, this close to uh, getting kicked out for deficiency points and, and grade point average before I actually took myself out. Because at this point I was just, I was just wasting money. Okay. And at that point, who was back home in Steubenville when my, you decided to remove yourself from college? My mother, my sister, they were still back there. My sister was a couple years behind me, so she would have been finishing up in high school. My mother was back there. They eventually left Steubenville as well and moved to Merrillville, Indiana. And my sister, uh, my sister did go. And finished school. She went to Ohio State and finished. Why'd they go to Maryville, Indiana? Family, Greeks. Yeah, they're you know just family or Greeks or both. Yeah, or or, or both. <laughs> you know, there was there was there was, there was the, uh, an invitation. You know, uh, the doctor that my mother worked for in Steubenville retired, so she needed a job, and when the opportunity to also she needed a job, and and it kind of all converged at the same time my sister was out of the house so my mother was back there and it just seemed like a good time to pick up and and move 
So while you're going to college, your first year, your second year, are you, are you going back home to Steubenville? Are you not seeing often. the boys? Are you are you going home to see mom or stay uh, me? Yeah, not as often as I should have. Yeah, I didn't go back as much as everybody else. Then the reason was I was having a good time. Was there anything had a good left time, in Steubenville? Had a girlfriend, for you? had a good time. You know, just like. Uh, and the other, <laughs> I, forgot, <laughs> I, I forgot. The other reason was because a lot of the weekends my first year were taken up because I was in a band. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah. You were in a what? I was in a band. You played the tambourine? No, I, I sang. Okay. I sang in a band. It was a... <laughs> it wasn't called the Smith Brothers Hardware Store, no, was it? No, <laughs> it wasn't called. It was, it was a, it was a Greek-American band. We played Greek and American music. We started it my senior year in high school. We were Talevendopeda, which translated into English would, would be the fine young lads. <laughs> <laughs> and we would play weddings, great. baptisms, uh, church dances. Uh, were you the, affiliated with the Greek cathedral here in town? Um, we never played in Columbus, but we, we would play a lot of o Ohio gigs. And we would be booked on the weekends. We would be, we'd have to go to Canton or we'd have to go to Akron. Or we'd have to go to Pittsburgh or, you know, someplace and, and, and do a gig on the weekends. And how did you dress for that, we if had, I might ask? We had uh, tuxedos. <laughs> we got, with, with, uh, we had two, two, we had uh, 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 light gray ones and, and. Uh, Please uh, say blue. Please say blue. Powder blue. <laughs> yes. Powder blue. Hansberry, I think I have a photo. <laughs> I think I have a photo I could forward to you. Let's try to find that. And put that uh, on yeah, our Instagram with, uh, page. we bought them at the, we got them at a fire sale. Literally, literally, fire sale. there was the the tuxedo shop in Steubenville had a fire, and uh, he and and Sam Travellino was selling what was saved from the fire at a discount. So we bought uh, two tuxedos each. And could you play an instrument, or you just chose to sing? I, I started to play guitar um, my junior year in high school. and uh, Didn't so, work out so well? No, no, it worked out fine, but uh, there was no need. I wasn't, uh, I, I didn't play it in the band. You were the Jim Morrison of the band? I, I was the, the singer and the, and, and the front man. You were the Lizard King? Yes, I was the, yeah, <laughs> as much as you can be in a Greek. We would play a set of Greek music. And then we'd play a set of American music. That's now, when you say Greek music, music you were actually singing in Greek? Yeah, singing in Greek, you know. <clears throat> Can you still sing in Greek? Um, it, uh, we actually... Hum a few bars for us, if you could. You're looking at me like you're... you're are, are you doing it right? <laughs> I don't know. I'm speaking uh, Greek. <laughs> Um, yeah, so we 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 uh, nice that was that was that was the A side of our single. We made a forty five. <laughs> we recorded it here in Columbus, Ohio. Actually, we did a forty five. Fine Greek young song. lads did the eleven double that did a Greek single. Yeah, with our with our two more popular songs that that we had because uh, we would do that Opopo Maria that we would do that we would open up with that acapella uh, and and like the three or four of us singing all the different parts and it was a whole different take on the song and. Have you ever seen uh, anyone record that on what would it be back then? Eight millimeter? What? Uh, uh, no, it was on. It was on a forty-five. No, I mean an actual someone uh, filming uh, at a wedding or at a. If there's video, I don't know. Like I said, I know there's a picture of us after a show in our tuxedos, 
So I, I will definitely get that to you for this podcast. In it the is, record, it is in it the is 45. it is not flattering, at, to say the least. Yeah. What uh, caused the band to break up? Me, Yoko. Me, because well, they didn't break up, but I quit. I quit the band. I didn't want to travel anymore. I wanted to stay in Columbus. I wanted to be a college student. <laughs> I wanted to be. I wanted to. I wanted to live my college life. I didn't want to. Is the band still together? No, the band broke up shortly after that. Um, I, I, it sounds so conceited to say that the band broke up because I left the <laughs> band. You know, but that's what happened with the Beatles. Well, I mean, you know, there was the, the, they finished off their gigs, and I think eventually it just it, it ran its course. I just got ahead of it. And then started playing music on campus with uh, the guy that played keyboards in our band, Doug Hale. And we started a duo on campus called Doug and Dino, where I played guitar and sang, and Doug played keyboards, and he played banjo. Doug was the musician. I played enough guitar, and we, uh, we, we played music at the, at the Black Forest, another place on, on campus, North Campus, which is now, I think, the Thirsty Scholar on, uh, on Lane and something. Correct. Uh, it used to be the Black Forest. We'd play in the Black Forest, and we played another bar called the IP Lounge on South Campus, owned by Louis Mackis. Uh, and we played there on, on Thursday nights and sometimes Friday, Saturdays. We'd play the whole weekends. We Yeah. And it was great. And, and we were very popular on campus. And you just did cover tunes? or We did cover. We did a lot of, we did a lot of cover tunes. We did some original stuff, too. Original songs. I wrote a lot. I wrote a lot of original music um, in my uh, from 18 to my mid 20s. I wrote a, a shit ton of music that still have it all upstairs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I actually went uh, into a studio <clears throat> and recorded uh, 15 or 16 different songs and got them all copywritten because at the time I thought they were great songs and I didn't want anybody to steal them. So, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a ton of music upstairs. Did you ever show them to Danny? Mm, my daughter? Yes. Danielle. Um, I think she's heard some of them over the years. I don't know if she's actually heard the. Is there anything in there that she could use for the, her own the tape? On it? Don't know. Be, it'd be interesting to revisit, wouldn't it? It would be. It would be. It would yeah. become in full circle. Yeah. There's no. I, I I wrote a lot of music, and I still, from time to time. Um, mess around with the guitar and and crank out a little something and quietly uh and do you consider yourself a ballad writer or an angry writer or they cover the writer they cover the range of emotions there's a there's a there's a cd well it's a cd now at the time it was uh it was just recorded on on cassette but i did a show in the lobby of taylor tower um with my guitar uh, and it was just, and they build it as a night with Dino, and I did all original music. I mean, I did an hour's worth of original songs, and my roommate recorded them, and he he found that tape and put it on a CD, and and that night at Taylor Tower. I mean, there were there were goofy novelty songs in there too. There was one called Sixth Floor Taylor Tower. There was one called you know. Uh, Doctor Demento type Thursday stuff? night at the Eye at the Thirsty Eye, and then there were also tender uh, ballads, birthday wishes, birthday dreams, um, uh, all, all kind of you know. 
tender, ballady, romantic stuff, sensitive stuff, and some angry stuff too, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, what was your favorite? Mm. You had to have one. Darkness of the Moon. What was it about? We huddled close together in the darkness of the moon, smoke our cigarettes, listen to some tunes. Um, hoping that life doesn't catch up too soon in the darkness of the moon. And then it told a story. They say Tom's future lies in medicine or law. He says, I disagree. I've never heard that call. His parents are begging him to go to school next fall. Tommy, go to school next fall. Um, Jean, she could have been a model extraordinaire. She had the figure. She had the look. She had the hair. But a baby's due in April. Now the choice no longer there. Uh, and, and so it was about these, these, these lost individuals that huddle close together in the darkness of the moon, smoke our cigarettes, and listen to some oh, tunes. Bruce Springsteen there. Uh, You're I, the boss. Uh, the, <laughs> yeah. I, well, I mean, and that's, that's, that's 20-some-year-old angst, you know, coming out. Did you find yourself to have more creativity in your 20s? I was pretty prolific in my 20s um, with both music and and uh, and also what I thought was was writing um, more prolific in the writing when I got married uh, and and would sit out in the garage in my typewriter and and I've got all now all those stories all those rejection letters and the stories that I sent out thinking uh, were good at the time and and weren't and maybe they maybe maybe there's some redeeming value in them still that just that that, that needs a more right. seasoned eye now to go back and look but yeah i wrote a lot wrote a lot of music and 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 just what were wrote you, what were you trying to copy what were you trying to be in the 70s seals and crofts simon and garfunkel bruce springsteen i don't wasn't i don't think we as doug and dino were trying to be anybody we were just having fun look we got 50 bucks each a night free booze free booze and uh and not to sound cheesy but girls like musicians girls. <laughs> <laughs> where were y'all living off campus um we we the the place that we moved into when we got out of the dorms was 88 East 8th Avenue. It was this huge, huge, huge uh, uh, apartment building that uh, myself, Dave, Greg, Spiro, and we had actually had a fifth, a fifth roommate, Sam Ivkovich. We all we all lived there, and we thought it was the greatest place in the world. And the rent was pretty inexpensive. What we did not know is that the landlord, whoever had that place, put no money into it there were no ins there was no insulation in the walls we had $900 gas bills in the winter time oh it was crazy $900 oh it was crazy back when $900 was $900 the, yeah we had $900 gas bills because this is this was a, a, a two story place uh, it was a it was a, a dining room a big living room a big kitchen then you go upstairs and there were there was bedroom there was a bedroom downstairs two bedrooms downstairs and three bedrooms upstairs and 
you had to go through a bathroom to get to my room, and then there was another room past mine. There was a bathroom that had two toilets sitting next to each other. Two, I mean, no, no divider, just two commodes that were sitting next to each other, which... God bless them. I'm gonna I'm gonna call them out. Yeah, no, Dave Cap and Debt, Dave Kaplan and Greg Detori would actually sit and take shits at the same time, and 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 talk. And that I, that never I that just I'd walk in and I and they'd just be sitting there, the, the shitting and talking. And, 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 and we're like, how do you do that? And it didn't bother them in the least. But you know, I'd have to I'd have to go past that to get to my room because my my room was on the other side but yeah it was a great place it was a mental picture i really didn't need it was a it was a great place we had great parties there some of the most amazing sensational parties ever and you lived there your sophomore and junior years uh junior senior years i guess you know as, years three and four years, years three and four yeah first two years were in the dorm we liked the dorm we we were we loved Taylor. Time. You were eating Domino's or Donato's or whatever the hell you were eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> you were having fun. So what were you reading back then in college? See, that's Hitchhiker's a thing. Guide to the Galaxy. Anything? See, that's a, that's a. I was still a voracious reader. I just wasn't reading what I was supposed to be reading. I wasn't reading the textbooks. No, and then again, not entirely true. I would read the you know the. The, the, the criminology textbooks and the psychology textbooks. They give. But what happened was I would read something in there and I would see something and that would motivate me to read something else. I read a lot of nonfiction back then. Um, uh, crime, nonfiction, uh, biographies. And then I just also just read a lot, a lot of, uh, I, I think that's where I probably dug in more, even though we had certain books that we had to read in high school, a separate piece, uh, and, you know, the great Gatsby. I dug more into the classics probably in college than I did when I was in high school. Hemingway, Steinbeck, uh, um, d- 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 uh, I'm drawn. Fitzgerald. I'm, Fitzgerald, thank you. Because I just, I just, I just after we had that podcast last week with Hasty, I skimmed through the Great Gatsby again because there was something he said uh, in our podcast last week that were. Uh, Fitzgerald said there are no second acts and I took exception to that because I think there that's not true so I went back and kind of skimmed through the Great Gatsby again to 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 see if I could gather where he came up with that thought no existentialism wasn't a focus back then everybody was reading Carlos Castaneda yes a lot of that no I picked that up a couple of times and put it back down um Mm-mm. No, Mm-mm. didn't get into any of that any of that stuff. So what uh, what was the conversation that you had with your uh, mother when you decided that it's time to pull anchor from the Ohio State University and set out for your first big boy job? Obviously, she wasn't happy. You know, her dream was to if you're going to go to college. To, my mother wanted me to obviously be successful in college she envisioned me being a lawyer i think at one point which in hindsight if i would have had the the brass taxes i think i would have been a good lawyer you'd have been a great criminal lawyer i think i would have been a good lawyer you'd have been a great criminal lawyer yeah i think so i still to this day i want to do before i die is it possible to do a closing argument and not be a lawyer yes if you're your own lawyer Mm. (laughs) 
can I can't 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 you be in a, in a trial and 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 say and and then have me do the closing argument? I could I, I could have you do the trial of Socrates next year at the Greek Church and give the closing argument. <laughs> Literally, I had two first year associates do that this year. Yeah, you would enjoy that. Probably would. You would enjoy that. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know much about the law, <laughs> but I do know Socrates. But what I do know is the truth. <laughs> I could just I just want to do one closing argument before I go. So were you listening to any bands back then? Was were you following anyone during your college years? We had a rule that uh we had a in the dorm, we had a stereo album and speakers in the bathroom and in the in the in the study room as well but we also had speakers in the bathroom and the rule was whenever you went and took a shower you got to listen to whatever you want to listen to while you're taking a shower uh so even back then i was into sinatra and the singers even then i still liked all the contemporary music that was out that day not all of it but I, you know, they were still there. You know, Debt was into into jazz, big time. So there would be a lot of jazz albums, and Dave was into country. So there'd be country albums. So we ran the gamut, and there was some, you know, rock and roll as well that we that we played and listened to. But um, no way that you followed. You weren't a Deadhead. You didn't travel around. No, with no, no. The Allman Brothers band. No, went and saw Jackson Brown at the St. John's Arena, uh, and we liked comedy. We like comedy. I saw Steve Martin at Marshawn when I was at Ohio State University at the peak of his career in the, in the late 70s when he was, you know, wild and crazy guy. This is pre-jerk? Pre-jerk, yeah. But jerk came shortly thereafter, you know, as a result of his popularity. But we saw Steve Martin. I had just flunked uh, either a, a, a math or, or science midterm, whatever the case might be, and we had tickets to go see Steve Martin. And... And I said, wow. And we saw Jay Leno at the, at the Newport uh, when he was starting out in his career, you know, and, and starting to get bigger venues. Sure. Yeah, before The Tonight Show, obviously. Mm. Yeah, saw Jay Leno, Steve Martin. Um, yeah, we were into comedy. We liked, we, liked, we liked to laugh. I mean, we, we, we laughed all the time. All the time. So what'd you learn about yourself? your four years in college that you didn't know coming out of Steubenville? That I, that I, that whatever dreams I had, I, if I wanted to get to them, it wasn't going to be through college. You know, I thought, I honestly thought those early years that I was either going to be a writer or a musician, a songwriter, of some, some sort, you know, I, I thought that that was going to be my, my ticket somehow, not because I was a great singer, I was an okay singer, but I thought I was a good songwriter. Uh, and I thought that, um, either that, or I was going to follow the criminology side of things and be a cop. So when you originally got into criminology, you were thinking detective, if you look at my high school yearbook, I, I think the criminology says it in there. It says, you know, plans that was to be working in a big city police department 
and hopefully get to uh, detective status. I said that in my, my high school yearbook. So obviously that was part of it. And I did try to get on the police department. I took the test. I passed the test. I, you know, I did everything I could, but that was very hard to get on the police department back then because there were uh, quotas and, and they, uh, they had a lot of male whites and they needed, they needed more diversity back then, even in the late seventies, it was hard to get on a police department. I got close. This was in Columbus. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. So what happens? You you pull out of college. You're still Dan and Dino are still Doug and Dino are still Doug and Dino are still Doug Dan Ralph Doug Doug and Dino are still playing a little bit. Um, <clears throat> I got a job at Lazarus, which was now Macy's, uh, catching shoplifters. How does one get a job catching shoplifters? Um, you go and fill out a basic application and you look at what's available as far as the jobs that 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 openings that they had and i saw loss prevention and i said what's this and i said catch shop i don't want to do this and so okay so i got to do that this i gotta hear tell me about your life catching shoplifters downtown lazarus at at lazarus on south high street downtown lazarus what a great couple of years that was. <laughs> when did you start that? Um, when I got out, when I wasn't going to go to Ohio State anymore. I was still living with my roommates, but I was working. Of course, you were going to give that up. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was catching shoplifters. So what were your hours like? I was going in the morning, go you know going at you know when the store opened and you know when the store closed. Now, for those that don't know, Lazarus had about eight floors. Starting all the way in the basement with the yep. returned beds and dressers and other yep. miscellaneous furniture. First floor men's, second floor women's. First floor men's, also first floor fine jewelry. Fine jewelry. Uh, second or third floor was ladies, intimates, and so the furniture was up on the fourth or fifth floor. There was bargain furniture in the basement, good, nice furniture on the top floors. Kids department, um, yeah. Um, and you, you got them all. You the, you got called whenever there was, before the police got called. You got called if there was, but you, you look for shoplifters, obviously, you know, to try to find people stealing stuff. But you also had to respond to any other type of incidents. We had incident reports, drunks, uh, uh, mental cases, whatever the case might be. Um, You're wearing plain clothes, I take it. Plain clothes, just walking around, you know. So what was what was what were you looking for? What were you marking as far as shoplifters? Lazarus, nineteen eighty something. Credit card frauds. You get a credit card fraud, and you have to go because that and that and that's those are the dangerous ones because that's a felony. The shoplifting up to a certain amount of money was a misdemeanor, and I forgot a certain board that it was a felony. But if everything you know, just a shoplifting was missed, but the credit card fraud was a was a felony. So those people were serious. So how'd you catch them? They, you know, the, the, the fraud would go through and you would actually, and, and, and the clerk would say, that's the person and you'd go get them. Explain that to me. You would go get them. You go get them. You first, sometimes they, sometimes they would come quietly and sometimes they wouldn't. Now there was police. There were, there were special duty officers. You have handcuffs? Had handcuffs. Had you got handcuffs, physical? Had handcuffs, had mace. Uh, yeah. Had gotten fights. Uh, Gotten fights galore, lots of lots of rough and tumble fights. Chased, chased. The, the, Bill Davis, who was my uh, 
my boss, very good friend. He was my my boss. Um, he, to this day, that's one of his favorite stories ever. Is like, uh, you know, there's a credit card fraud, and um, they were talking on the walkies back and forth, and uh, and and they were talking back and forth, and and someone was saying like, well, who's on it? They go, Dino's on it. He goes, well, where are they? They go, they've left the store. Um, and, and Dino's chasing them on foot. He goes, no, uh, and they're in a car. Is Dino in a car? No, he's chasing the car. <laughs> he's chasing the car down High Street. And, and Bill says, and if they, if they stop at the red light, I think he's going to catch them. <laughs> Did you catch him? Yes, we caught him. <laughs> we caught him. We caught him. Now, did you have to testify as a witness? Um, no, 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 no. Those are all pretty much clean cut. Good arrests. Good arrests. They pled out. All Good, done. Yeah, all done. Yeah. Good now, arrests. How long were you an undercover uh, Lazarus man? A couple, couple, three years. That's where. That's where I met my uh, met my wife at at Lazarus, who was working part time there in cosmetics and. And that led me down a whole another path, you know. Before you know it, I was working at Lazarus. Then they had budget cuts, and I had to take other jobs at Lazarus. Uh, what to, else did you do at Lazarus? There was I did something in the in the in the in the at overnights. There was a whatever computer stuff they had that put out all the inventory sheets and so forth and so on. I had to. And to do something manual, not technical, because that was not my my thing at all. I was like, but did that, and then um, uh, I started working part time uh, at the branches, you know, to fill the hours that I was that I didn't have downtown. I started doing like Northland, Kingsdale, to fill in the hours. When I was married, I had that. That's that was I had two. Well, at that point, which I said, oh, well, this is not the way I want my life to go, but. I was married and, and, and had a, a baby, so I was working two shitty jobs uh, to just to make money, you know. What not. was the second shitty job? When I say shitty job, it wasn't a shitty job because the gentlemen that I worked for were wonderful. It was twin vending. I filled vending machines. I filled vending machines. Okay. I worked hard. They were great. Bill and Bob Harding, great guys, great little company. Um, I worked for them for, for two years. Eventually, I did leave, and they were sorry to see me go. They said, to this day, one of the best employees they ever had. And I did. I filled candy machines and pop machines. And, and It's an honorable profession. They know, could count on you. You yeah. weren't going to take the nickels from the machine. And whatever I did, I did I did to the best of my abilities, and, 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 I, and I worked hard. I mean, you know, uh, it, I took it seriously. And everybody liked me on my route. You know, it, everybody enjoyed me. I was, I was funny. I was charming on my route. People liked it when I would come fill the machines. The only thing I hated about that job is when I'd be almost done and heading back to the warehouse, and I get a beep, beep, beep. There's a broken pop machine out on Sawmill Road that you got to fix and, and take care of before you go home. Like, God damn it. You know, and, and go fix the coin slot or get the jam twisted coke that was stuck in the dispenser whatever the case might be i take it you never yearned to move back home and work in the 
Steel Factory? Nope. Not ever again? Nope. Nope. Steubenville was on the downslide, and whenever I would go back to visit, it was visible. And you could see that, you know, it wasn't going in the direction that I was going. I wasn't going to go back. A lot of a lot of guys did go back. A lot of go back home, and a lot of guys never left home, and have done very well for themselves in other occupations other than the mill. You sure. know, sure. made a life for themselves. Now, what happened with all your roommates? Did they all go on and graduate, or mm-hmm. successful? Yeah, yeah. Um, I none of them in what they studied. Studied. I don't think so. I think Dave. Dave is. Uh, Successful in commercial real estate up in the uh, Akron area right now. I think he graduated with a teaching certificate. He wins an education. Uh, Debt started off in optometry and then went into the business. He currently is uh, uh, works for Cardinal Health. Um, Bill Knoll, since we last spoke, I've been told is somewhere in New Mexico with with as my friend Rick Andreessen said Bill Knoll could probably find you and and send a guided missile your way to take you out anytime he wants so he's still involved in something supposedly missile related down on the G uh-huh as we close this second episode having gone through your early years and your high school years and now going through your college years um, one of your favorite singers, famous for saying regrets. I've got a few. Yeah. Let's close with some regrets that you have from the college years. I wish I would have finished. I wish I would have studied better. I wish I would have studied more. Did you have I, fun? I had a great time. Did you learn about yourself? I did. Did you learn how to control yourself? No. <laughs> <laughs> no. Um, you have great respect for others, though. You have a, a self-constraint button. Yeah. That I've always seen. Mm-hmm. Um, Even in college, I did. Uh, yeah. There having was, been around your, your, your mother and, and your sister and your half-brother, um, I can tell that part of that's inbred, but part of that's just you manning up somehow. Yeah. I've always stepped up to, to the best of my abilities. I just think, you know, I wish I would have taken it more seriously. Did you ever think about going back and finishing? Uh-huh. I have, and then then I talk myself out of it. I don't because. know. What the, I don't know what the point would be now. Um, it's it's not. I have regrets for not taking it more seriously and studying harder and actually getting a degree that my mother would be proud of, et cetera, et cetera. Your mother's very proud of you. You know that. Is she? Yes, she is. Uh, she tells my wife that all the time. Yeah, it, uh, you know, I wonder sometimes. She's, she's very, very proud I of you. I wonder. I wonder. I mean, I know she's proud of me, but she, I, she still worries too much. Um, yeah, a mother's I, job is. I to wish. Worry. I wish I would have taken it more seriously. In hindsight, yeah, I wish I would have buckled down and, because obviously I could do the work. I chose not to, and I think that's a very revealing personality trait and a quality you think it's a personality trait or you think it's a fit it's a it's a round peg in a square hole you can do it but you choose not to what is that what is that i i, I don't think that what's your that personality entail? necessarily lends itself to having to complete a college degree to be a successful professional here in columbus ohio and success is measured by many different things it's not 
what did, what did the Wizard of Oz say? It's not the uh, the degree. You don't need a degree to be smart. You yeah, don't, you don't need. I agree with that. A piece of paper. I'll give you a piece of paper if you want a piece of paper. Oh, I guarantee you. I, I have no problem, no qualms saying I'm probably uh, better read than most college graduates. Sure, without a doubt. Sure. Um, and 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 smarter in 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 certain areas of life than than some college graduates maybe. You know, I I I know I know people who have a. Uh, uh, College diplomas, masters, degrees, PhDs, but don't have a lick of common sense. It ain't all that common when it when it when it comes to the everyday foils of life on a regular basis. I mean, you take them out of that academia and 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 put them in situations that I've been in in my life, and they would crumble. I have no doubt. Yes, they would. No, no regrets about not getting into counseling as a profession? No. Having been in the criminal criminal criminology? Yeah. Uh criminal prevention, uh loss prevention yeah. arena. From the no regrets about not going full time into crime. I I I dabbled. Well, I mean, I know that's part 3 coming up. And uh, you know, I I got in I've I've had my taste of it, and and did well in it. Okay. And and just a as a, a tease for just part as three. a just as a preview for part three. <laughs> yeah. 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 Can can you let the folks know? Um, we're going to talk about your professional career. And when I say your professional career, I view it as a professional investigator, and your professional career at uh, Sunny ninety five. Don't forget my glorious stand up years. Well, your stand-up years are kind of intertwined into radio. Mm, stand-up led to radio. Stand-up stood alone, no pun intended, for for quite a few years. It did. I mean, that's how I made. That's that that's was how my, you made it. That's how that was my full-time job. Okay. Was stand-up. It went from uh, investigative work to stand-up. Investigative work was mixed in with the stand-up. Then stand-up eventually went off on its own. Stand-up led to radio. And then radio led to all the other wonderful things I've gotten to do as a result of having that radio job. So, um, you know, the writing and the filmmaking and so forth and so on. And, and don't and forget those 245s. And this. Yeah. <laughs> and this, this, this. This, this magnificent... Yes. Piece of crap we call whiskey business, <laughs> where we get to drink fine, fine whiskeys week after week and, and talk about things that I'm not comfortable talking about. Uh, we had the Basil Hayden's Dark Rye. Did you guys like this, by the way? Did you find Second it? glass better than the first. It took a little getting used to the sweet. It's the sweet. It's the port. The it's port the, is good, it, though. It's the, port, the port. It, it almost like a sherry cask it uh, is. finish. The, the port. It does not have a, a typical rye finish, despite the fact that it's a combination of Kentucky straight rye whiskey and Canadian rye whiskey. Uh, the port definitely makes itself known throughout the from the nose to the palate to the finish. I think the port is in there all the way, and it ranges between forty nine and fifty two bucks a bottle. So, if you want to pick it up and find it, it was hard to find. It's it's, it's a kind of a tough one to find. But I think this is the first one that the that that Basil Hayden is committed to. You know, on as far as they're going to keep making it, it's not going to be like a one and done type of thing. So this will be on the shelves along with. Uh, there are other fine products from the good folks at Jim Beam. So there. So I when go. we resume, it's the Just Sweats episode. 
the stand-up comedy and the sunny years. Sure. Um, <laughs> one of those is not like the other. Yeah, I'm, I'm probably more reluctant to talk about than the other. But yeah, sure, sure, sure. We'll get into that. And then we're done? Maybe. I, unless you want to go, well, I, the questions that my daughters had might lead you to the future. So who, who right. knows what that uh, might bring? Your daughters have questions that we my haven't got to? My daughters have questions. They All most right. certainly have well, questions. Our guest interviewer has been attorney Bill Mattis. Thank you once again. Thank for, you for having me. For Thanks drudge, for the drink. Thanks for drudging up some interesting times in, in college. And... Uh, uh, the audio portion of Whiskey Business produced by Mr. Greg Hansberry and the video portion of on our YouTube channel produced by John Whitney. Over to my right, put the thumbs up, Johnny. You always do that every episode. That's right. Thank you for it. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, we, we encourage you to, to watch us on YouTube. Um, Whiskey Business with Dean Post on YouTube. WhiskeyBusinessShow.com to find everything you want to know about Whiskey Business on YouTube, on Facebook, on Instagram. Anything else? Subscribe on iTunes. Just click that little subscribe and uh, review us because when you review on iTunes, it helps all the other podcasters out there kind of yeah, it really find, out, find out about it. It really us. does. So, uh, and uh, a big thank you to everybody uh, for listening and watching because uh, the audience is growing and we really do appreciate and that. Just spread the word. Tell some friends. You know, the holidays are coming up, road trips, grassroots effort goes a long way. So just tell your buddies and stuff. All right. So. Until the next bottle, see you. You've got questions, we've got answers. Business leadership, ownership, and sales can be challenging. Tune into the Accelerate Your Business Growth podcast to learn from the world's experts. Join me, your host, Diane Helbig, as I chat with people who have expertise in various areas of business. You'll enjoy the lively conversations that are focused on providing you with the ideas, tips, and suggestions you need to realize greater success. Get what you need for your business when you need it from the people who have the answers. Accelerate Your Business Growth is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network and is available on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.